The Baal Shem Tov was, of course, the founder of the Hasidic movement, and his um, primary disciple and successor was Reb Dov Ber, known as the Magid of Mezrich. The Magid of Mezrich, in turn, had many um, great and holy disciples called the Chavraya Kadisha, the holy group, who after he passed away, the Magid, those disciples split up and went to different cities and countries and became Hasidic Rebbes in their own right, um, which opened up the different sects of Hasidism, many of them that we still have till today. Um, of course, the Alter Rebbe, the Balatanya, was one of those disciples who later became the Rebbe and founded Chabad Hasidus. Anyhow, the Mezrish Magid, his, he passed away and Yutes Kislev, the 19th of Kislev, which is this coming week. A couple of days before he passed away, four days before he passed away, was Shabbos, Friday night, the last Friday night of his life. And he was, actually he was, he was in bed, he was ill, and he was surrounded by his Talmudim, by his disciples. And he learned with them the first Rashi in this week's Parsha. Uh, the Parsha opens up, Vayishlach Yaakov Malochim, that Yaakov sent messengers. And Yaakov sent, uh, Yaakov's on the way back home after spending 20 years in Haran by his uncle Lavan, and that's where he marries, and that's where he has his children. And now he's on the way home, and he uh, wants to find out what's the story with Esav, his brother Esav, who he know hated him, but what's the story now? Is there a way to appease him? So the Parsha opens up with those words, Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim, that Yaakov sends messengers to Esav, his brother. Says Rashi, one word, Malachim Mamesh, that when the Pasuk says here Malachim, it means literally malachim, meaning the word malachim could mean messengers as I translated it, but it also literally means angels. So one could understand this pasuk that Yaakov sent messengers to Esav or one could understand that he sent literally angels, malachim. <coughs> so Rashi says malachim mamesh, that Yaakov did not send, it wasn't uh, mortal messengers, it was angels. That's what Rashi writes. So the Magid read this Rashi the Rashi says, Malach Mamesh, and he says there's a deeper meaning to this Rashi as well. In addition to the simple meaning that it means that he sent literally angels, there's a deeper meaning. And that is, the word Mamesh, aside from meaning literal, also comes from the Hebrew word Mamashus, which means the physicality, the tangible part of something. We know everything has a body and soul, everything has its physical, more tangible part, and then the soulfulness, the life that's within it. And here Rashi is telling us, says the Magid, that when Yaakov sent Malachim, when Yaakov sent angels, he only sent the physical aspect of the angels, the tangible part of the angels. The soul of the angels remained with Yaakov. That was the Dvar Torah. That Yaakov sent the tangible part, the physical part, the outer part of the angels, but the internal part, the spiritual part, the soulful part of the angels remained with Yaakov. That was his Dvar Torah. And in the Sikha, the Rebbe explores this Vartera, and he asks, why? Why did Yaakov only send the physical aspect of the angels or the tangible aspect of the angels? Um, after all, there's a reason Yaakov was sending angels. Um, he could have sent mortals, he could have sent human beings, he could have sent spies, but nevertheless, he wanted to send angels. And the reason that he wanted to send angels is because he wanted the angels to have a positive effect on Esav. He wanted them to refine Esav, to elevate Esav, to bring Esav to a greater place. 
So he was specifically trying to spend, send angels because of their spirituality, because they are angels. Why then is the Magi telling us that although he's sending angels, he's only sending their external part, their physical part, their tangible part. What's the reason for this and what's the lesson for us? And the Rebbe says something very beautiful. He says the following. He says, whenever you send someone, be it an angel, be it a person, in order to positively affect a person, a place, um, especially someone as wicked as Esav, there's always a fear. And the fear is that perhaps the messenger, instead of affecting the place or the person that they're sent to affect, sometimes the opposite can happen. And the messenger can become affected and the messenger can become drawn down. Instead of being the one who's affecting, the messenger might be the one who's affected. And in that way, not only not fulfill the uh, mission of refining and elevating the place, but to the, to the contrary, the messenger might get lost in that place. And that was a problem even with angels, when you're dealing with someone as powerful and as wicked as an Esau, even when Yaakov was sending angels, his concern was, how can we ensure that they're going to be the ones who will affect and accomplish and not be affected? And that's what Rashi writes, that's what Rashi means when he writes that he only sent the physicality, the external part of the angels, their internal part, their soul, remained with Yaakov. What Rashi means to say, says the Rebbe, is that, of course, the angels went in entirety. They didn't leave a part of themselves literally with Yaakov. But their soul, their mind, their heart was always with Yaakov. Even when they were out with Esau, doing their mission, talking to him, trying to deal with him, they internally felt this is not their place. Their place is with the one who sent them. Their place is with Yaakov. Their place is with the holiness and spirituality of Yaakov. And they never fully become engaged. They never fully become uh, members, so to speak, of the place to, wit, to where they were sent. And only then, Yaakov knew, would they have the ability to do their job of affecting and not being affected. Says the Rebbe, this is such a powerful message for each and every one of us as well. Because in a sense, we're all just exactly like those angels. All of us are initially a neshama, a soul, a spiritual holy soul that was with Hashem, much higher than this world, much higher than anything physical that we know and we see. We're souls from above. And Hashem takes our souls and He sends it on a mission. And He sends it down into this world in order to bring light, holiness, warmth, refinement to this world. And in order to do that, we have to become members of this world. So our souls descend from heaven and they come into a body and they become very much part of that body and part of the physical landscape and picture of this world. And here the same concern exists. Of course, the mission is clear. A soul is taken from heaven and sent into this world to bring Kedusha, to bring holiness, to bring light into a world. The question is, how do we ensure that we remain the ones who are affecting the world around us, bringing that spirituality and holiness and goodness to a world? How do we ensure that we're not being affected and becoming part of the world and part of the problem, so to speak, that we were sent to correct? And that's the message of this Rashi. A Yid has to remember every day that ultimately my soul is not part of this world. Ultimately, although I'm engaged and I'm involved in the world and the worldly, I am a human being down here in this world, at the same time, I always have to remember that's all 
the external part of who I am. My soul, my neshama, is still fully connected to the source from where it came. I'm fully focused on the source where I came. When I dive into Hashem, when I learn Torah, I'm reconnecting to my source and sort of reminding myself that I'm here only on a mission. This is not ultimately my place. And as long as we, we remember that and we remind ourselves of that and we feel that, that we're here on a mission and our soul is connected with something much higher and much greater, then every day we'll fulfill that mission and not become too engaged, too much part of the world that we're here in, but rather remain the teachers, the light and the inspiration for the world that we were sent to. This passing of the Magid that was four days later, on the 19th of Kislev, many years later, became the what's called the Rosh Hashanah the greatest day on the Hasidic calendar, and therefore has a powerful um, imp- a message relating Hasidus in general. So how this Dvar Torah relates to Hasidus in general and the teachings of Tanya and so on, and all the Rebbes, is something that will continue, Emir Sashem, on Yutes Kislev in a couple of days. Have a wonderful Shabbos.